Welcome to Living Through the Word, the podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. We've gathered to learn more about ministry and want to share that with you. So visit us at adlw.org. I'm the Diocesan Bishop Julian Dobbs, and I'm joined again by the Reverend Dr. Jim Saladin, Rector of Emmanuel Anglican Church uh, in New York City. Uh, Dr. Salander will be joining me regularly on the podcast to explore different areas of Christian doctrine. We've received overwhelmingly positive testimonies about last month's episode on infant baptism, why we baptize the children of believers. So listen to that if you haven't listened to it already. Today we're going to talk about a, a number of things, uh, Anglican identity, the story of Anglicanism, uh, and particularly how what we call in the liturgy of the Lord's Supper, in the liturgy of Holy Communion, uh, the prayer of humble access, how that can help us understand these things. So, Jim, thanks for joining us. Great to have you with us again. It's really fun to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. Well, Jim, um, talk to us a little bit about challenges, first of all, and um, difficulties. Um, th th there are some problems around in Anglicanism regarding identity and who we are and how we go about discovering what Anglicanism really is. So many people can't even uh, pronounce Anglicanism. They call it Angelican. They don't know who we are. What's the problem? Yeah, thanks. Um, that's interesting. I don't think I've heard anybody call it an an Angelicum. No, 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 no. And say with me, angelicanism. Angelicalism. It, you, you know, it, it sounds angelic. I, I kind of, I kind of like it. But uh, yeah, I've never actually thought of you as angelic. But you know, your wife definitely. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So, what's the problem? I've never been accused of that. Um, yeah. Well, no. It, I, I think it's a good question. It's um, it's a bunch of a bunch of questions that have come up for me. Uh, since moving back to the United, U, the United States, I can't talk. Um, you know that uh, my family and I moved to the U.S. Uh, what I guess three years ago um, from the United Kingdom, and um, it's been interesting re-entering North American Anglicanism. And it, you know, it's just a very different scene than it is in England in a variety of different ways. But one of those things is about. The question here in the United States, it's a little bit different than it is in England and in some other nations. But just the question of what does it mean to be an Anglican? Like, why why should we exist? Um, uh, who are we? Who are we really? Um, what is it that tells us we're okay? You know, the question of legitimacy. Like, how, how do we know that we're a team worth being part of? Um, and then also, I think that... Because often... Yeah, go ahead. Well, often people talk about some of the other denominations as legitimate. Some people say the Church of Rome is legitimate. Others would call the Episcopal Church legitimate, the Baptists, non-denominational churches. Uh, there seems to be this struggle about, are we, is Anglicanism, are Anglicans legitimate? Right. No, totally. And the, um, and, and there's, a, there's a, a little insecurity running around, it seems to me. Um, and, and I see it sometimes even in my own folks even in my own people. Um, and I see a few different ways that we kind of deal with the question of legitimacy and, 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 and stuff. It, it seems like we, we do one of three things often. Um, either there's kind of a reactionary approach. Um, we're okay because we're not so-and-so, you know, we're, we're not, I don't know, 
Episcopal, we're not non-denominational, we're not Roman, we're not Baptist, whatever it is. Um, and so we define ourselves, we tell ourselves we're okay because we're not like these other guys that maybe, you know, we see something unhelpful in them or, or whatever. Um, but then sometimes there's like the moderate approach, um, which is, which it seems to be, um, Anglicans are nearly, but not quite something. Um, I don't know if you can identify with this, but you know, we're nearly, but not quite whatever it is, evangelical or Calvinist or Roman or Eastern Orthodox, we're nearly, but not quite. And usually there, it seems to me that what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, um, we take on all the good stuff of the other teams. So that makes us legitimate, um, but we try to avoid the bad stuff. Um, and so look, look, you know, that makes us good or okay or, or something like that. And then, and then, then sometimes it can morph into a, a, a third way, which is we're simply better because we're something like we're, we're better than others because we're liturgical or we're better than others because we've got bishops who are part of a very old succession, or we're better than others because we're more Bible-centered than others, or whatever it might be. And I don't think we ever say it as explicitly. I mean, the, you know, these are caricatures, but it seems like we grasp very often, unhelpfully in my view, one of the three ways to tell ourselves we're okay, this is who we are, and this is the gift that we have to give. So there are questions of identity, legitimacy, purpose, things like that. And I think all those three ways, you know, they're persuasive because there's an element of them, but they're they're pretty unhelpful in my Yeah. So when you're sitting in a cafe uh, drinking Bishop's Blend coffee, uh, blended by your own bishop, and someone comes up to you and they say, uh, you're a minister, uh, you're an Anglican minister, uh, is there something that you could talk to me about that helps define what Anglicans are and who Anglicans are? What might you say to them? Yeah, really helpful. I, um, by the way, I didn't know Bishop's Blend had gotten into New York uh, coffee shops. He, we are expecting you to be the distributor, Jim, <laughs> and uh, the slump in sales is purely because uh, of your great ability not to do anything about that. I am a man under authority. I'll have to get on that. Um yeah, well, um, yeah, no, good, good question. And, and I mean, th these questions come up all the time um, at our at, at our church. Um, where I like to take my people uh, is to um, what we call the prayer of humble access, which is a um, for our non-Anglican li listeners, they're, they're probably going to gloss over their eyes, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, come on. So it's called, who called it the prayer of humble access? Why do we call, why do we call it this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The prayer of humble access. Right. So it's, it's a prayer that we say, um, uh, in the, in the Lord's Supper service, in the, in the communion service, um, in a couple different places it can fit, but, um, but before we receive the Lord's Supper and, and it, why don't I read it? It, it goes like this. Yeah. Why don't you do that? We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. Okay, it's a beautiful prayer. It's, it's a prayer that um, has been very significant to me 
uh, in my journey as a Christian from the days of my my youth where I attended Anglican uh, services to worship God often twice on Sunday uh, to this very day. Uh, the clergy of our diocese know that as bishop, I've asked that this prayer not be um, uh, omitted uh, from the liturgy of Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, uh, when the Lord's Supper is celebrated uh, in our churches. It's really significant to me. I'm pleased we're talking about it. Before we discuss it, I I, I want you to, ha- to remind me, this is particularly Cramnerian. This prayer didn't exist uh, before Archbishop Cramner. First existed, um, I think, uh, 1548 in the Order of um, Holy Communion. Uh, and it's continued to be a, a very essential part of uh, Anglican doctrine and order uh, in our services. Uh, some prayer books, like the new 2019 Book of Common Prayer, um, uh, allow this prayer to be optional. I don't think it should be optional. I think that we should be using it every time uh, we we uh, participate uh, in the supper. And you and I are going to talk about that. It is particularly Anglican, Jim. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, there's there's um... Uh, a number of prayers uh, earlier in the tradition in a number of different liturgies that go back very, very, very long ago um, that uh, are similar. Um, but this was composed uh, by Cranmer. And one of the things that's kind of fun is that it means this prayer is one of the very first ever prayed in an official English language service in the church. So even if you're not an Anglican, if you worship in English, this prayer was one of the first official uh, 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 acts of worship in the English language in the history of the church, which is kind of fun. Um, it is, and it's great because the Book of Common Prayer gave that to us. It was a great legacy that we've received prayers for the common people, prayers for people like you and me, not just reserved for some, uh, the Bible being made available to be read in every parish church. Uh, And this is a great legacy uh, of that. Uh, Just talk us through briefly what it does, um, uh, this prayer of humble access. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think one way to think of it is um, uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Do you remember when Isaiah meets God, um, the year the king Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he sees a vision of the throne room of, of, of God seated on the throne and the angels and everybody's worshiping the Lord and saying, holy, holy, holy. Um, and Isaiah rightfully is stricken to heart because he's thinking, man, it, he has an identity crisis. He has a legitimacy crisis. He has a, he has a big crisis because he's a man of unclean lips. He says he, he's aware of his sin. And so he goes, oh, dear, you know, what was me? Oh, no, um, putting it mildly. And and that's one of the questions that that I think any any sinful human has to ask, on what basis do I dare approach the living God? On what basis do I dare claim access, legitimate access to God because when you really see the holiness of God, the purity of God, the, the perfections of God, and you see yourself as you truly are, it's going to be a really, really scary thing because by, you know, it, it's just not safe to approach God um, uh, on our own merits. And, and this is one of the questions for 
normal Christians at the Reformation, you know, before the Reformation, um, the, generally speaking, you know, the mass uh, would be celebrated uh, daily, multiple times a day uh, in church. But generally speaking, only the clergy are receiving it uh, in a really common, regular way. And the people would receive more often like once a year. And so Cranmer wants to say, no, 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 that's, that's inverting and, and twisting around the whole meaning of the Lord's Supper. Um, the, the Lord Jesus gave himself for his church and gave this meal um, as a way of rehearsing the gospel uh, and, and this wonderful door that the cross of Jesus Christ opens that welcomes sinners to become adopted and to gain entrance right into the presence of God himself as not as uh, estranged sinners, but as adopted children. So, but, but there's an, an anxiety within the people, you know, I, I, should, should I really receive the Lord's supper? Cause I'm not worthy. And, and they were right, of course, but Cranmer puts this prayer in there um, as a way of, of saying, Hey, listen, um, I'm going to give, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you words. I'm, I'm going to give you words. You know, sometimes l- little kids, um, w- when they they don't know exactly what to say yet, they'll they'll say, "Daddy, give give me words. Help me help me to know how to what I'm supposed to say right now." And so that's what this prayer does. It says, um, "Let me give you words for how you can approach God based upon the mercies of Christ purchased at the cross and relying on that alone." And therefore, we say, "We do not presume to come to this table trusting in my righteousness. Our righteousness, nothing in us." is adequate. I think I'm preaching here. Sorry. Nothing in us is adequate um, to gain entrance. We're just like Isaiah, but we trust uh, not in ourselves, but in your mercy, the mercy of the cross. And just like in Isaiah 6, the angel comes with the coal, the burning coal, and touches Isaiah's lips, and he's, he's, he's healed and forgiven and gains access to God safely. So uh, Jesus Christ is that uh, bright and precious burning coal that burns away our sin, but does not burn away us and transform and, and, and gives us true access, not based upon ourselves, but upon the cross of Christ. I, I did not carry it away there, didn't I? Okay, but Jim, have, all of that, yeah, all of that is good. I agree with you completely. But so often people say to me, Bishop, order is good to us as Anglicans. We like order. We have good order. But we have already said, if we are following the order of uh, the 1662 uh, Book of Common Prayer, which remains authoritative in the Anglican Church in North America and around the world, if we're doing that, we've already said we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought and word and deed against thy divine majesty, and we've repented of our sins, and so on and so forth. We we, 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 we get to the sanctus, we're declaring that God is holy. And then some people say, hang on a second, we've got another prayer of, of confession in this prayer no, of humble access. No, Why is it oh, necessary? No. <laughs> no, no. Well, uh, no, it's not a confession. It's not, it's not another confession. That's not what this prayer is at all. In fact, in fact, I, yeah, no, I've heard the same thing. And, and there's part of my soul that goes, oh, no, 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 no. And, and the reason I say, oh, no, 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 is that it's not a confession. It, it's a prayer 
of joyful confidence, which I've got a feeling people are not, aren't going to believe me, but it it is. Let me let me try to. Um, may I may I make a case? Yeah, tell us why. Tell us why. Uh, basically, saying we we are unworthy to come uh, is a prayer of joyful confidence. Yeah, great. Because, well, the short answer is because it's not just that we're unworthy. It's that the Lord Jesus is full of mercy and gives us himself. And, and you've, you've got to see it. But, but so in, in, the old, uh, in the old fashioned liturgy, which at, at our church, we, we, we use kind of the old fashioned ordering. Um, it's a little different in the, in the uh, uh, more modern prayer books, but that, that's a different story. Um, but in, in the old ordering, it comes right after the Sanctus. So if, for non-Anglican um, uh, listeners, what, what we do is we confess our sins, just like the bishop was explaining, and then um, and then we lift up our hearts to the Lord, and we join and we say the the holy, holy, holy from uh, Isaiah uh, chapter six and Revelation chapter four. So we're we're we've lifted our hearts in joy. We're joining with the songs of heaven, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, and and then and then in the altar you go straight from that which is this high point of joy, goes straight from that to, um, to the prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to this table. Now, I can see why some people might imagine that there's a tone problem, that there's it goes from joy to, uh, it, back in England, people used to call this, and I find this awful, but they used to call it the humble crumble. Um, <laughs> which, the which, humble which crumble. Is, <laughs> yeah, which is funny. Except horrible. Anyways, um, but but at our church, when when we're saying this, what we're doing is we're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then it's as if with Isaiah, you can't say that and really be thinking about the God who's there without the question of our worthiness coming up at least a little. And just like Isaiah says, woe is me, right at that point. So... Cranmer puts this prayer right there so that we can say, instead of woe is me, we can say, we don't presume to come to this table trusting in our righteousness, Lord, but in your abundant and great mercies. We're not worthy to gather up the crumbs, but you, it's your property to always have mercy. And we say that with arms wide open, so to speak, with eyes looking at Jesus Christ there's a confident joy, and I argue a freedom in looking away from ourselves, renouncing all uh, all legitimacy grounded in ourselves. We're not looking at ourselves; we're looking at Jesus Christ. But then there's this there's this confident joy as we look at Him, and we say when we realize that Jesus is giving us Himself. Jesus, the, the main part of the prayer, the bulk of the prayer is grant us, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear son, G Jesus Christ, to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Jesus is giving us himself, union with Christ. It's the central gift of the whole gospel. It's that, you, you remember uh, the woman at the well, uh, Jesus looks at this uh, woman from Samaria. She has a, a checkered past and he looks at her and his soul gr almost groans. He says, if you only knew the gift I have to give you, 
The gift that I have to give you is living water. The gift that I have to give you, later on he says, is better than a temple. And it's way better than your sin. The gift that I have to give you is me. I am the one you're looking for. And, and here she is given the central, uh, the, the gift that's the greatest aspiration of the Old Testament, the greatest desire of the Old Testament, Jesus gives to her in giving her himself. And that's what we get in this prayer. So it's not a confession of sin. It's a renouncing of ourselves so that we can receive uh, God in Christ uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's just nothing more joyful than that, I argue. And when I pray this prayer, Jim, uh, and and I, you know, my preference is to use that order, which you have referred to, the order of the 1662 Book of Common Prayer, uh, in the Anglican Church in North America, the bishops gave consent for us to use that order. I've said to the clergy of our diocese that it's my preferred order uh, and liturgy to use when um, when I make my bishops' visitation Sunday by Sunday. And this past Sunday, uh, in fact, we followed that order on both occasions. I made two visitations, one in the morning, one in the evening. Both were using this order. And when we got to this 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 point of prayer, certainly it was the Lord's Supper in the uh, the first service. Um, uh, it gave me great reassurance. Uh, yes, we've declared the holiness of God. We've acknowledged already how unworthy we are. But then we come and we have this beautiful prayer of humble access where we're reminded of God's graciousness towards us. I want to quote from uh, Dr. Ashley Knoll. He's a, a friend of our diocese and he's going to be one of the Bible teachers at our a clergy conference uh, this year, 2019. He's currently editing the private theological notebooks of Archbishop Cramner. Uh, I've seen him there in the library doing that. He writes this, and I quote, he says, here we see the hugely important pastoral principle that the more we know God, the more we realize how much unlike him we are, and so realize how much more dependent we are on the grace than we did before. And, and that's where I'm at with this. I'm, I'm, I'm at that place. Yes, God is holy, but we're dependent upon him. We need him. And we're, 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 we're asking him to come and be in us. And the prayer of humble access invites us to do that. Uh, th that's what you're saying too, Jim, right? Absolutely. And, and I think where, where a confession, um, the emphasis is, um, Lord, we're we're, we're desperately, culpably guilty, and we need your cross to take away our sin, this prayer is saying, we're not worthy to come in to your presence, but you draw us in. You draw us all the way in, all the way into your presence, all the way in right up next to you um, uh, so that we can cry out. I was talking to my son about this the other day. We get to cry out, Abba, Father. You know, there, there's this closeness when we're receiving Jesus, um, and uh, and and it's there's a precious intimacy, and I think we um, we we need to remember it, and I th I think we even need to teach our people how to say this prayer, mm. like what heart mm. posture to use. Uh, I I like to tell my people, listen, when you're when you're saying this prayer, you, there's two ways to do it. You can say, we do not presume to come to this table, you know, um, or you can say. We do not presume to come to this table trusting in our own righteousness, righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs into your table, but you are the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy, so grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the 
flesh, and so on and so forth, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us, that, that I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing, John. Um, that's what we're enjoying, finding refuge in, finding our assurance in, finding our security in. And like we were saying at the beginning, that's how we find our identity. Who are we? Well, Jesus tells us who we are. There's nothing in us. I'm getting off track, Bishop. There's nothing in us that uh, that tells us we're okay. Jesus. He is our legitimacy, and he is our identity. And he's our purpose, too, because it's the only gift that we have to give anybody else. At the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, we're here to equip and edify uh, you and uh, stand with you as we all walk with Christ and we're working in a committed way to develop new resources like this podcast. We trust that you find this ministry to be a blessing. To find out more about the ongoing ministry of the diocese, including details of our 2020 missions conference and synod, uh, the Bishop's Bible Study of, of Israel and how to register for that in July 2020, visit us at adlw.org, adlw.org. Uh, you can also find there two resources that we've already referenced uh, in this episode. Firstly, you can find uh, the three insight statement from uh, Canon Ashley Null on why we pray the prayer of humble access. If you look under the resources tab on the website, you'll find it there. You'll also find uh, the new 2019 uh, Liturgy of the Lord's Supper in 1662 order and format, which uh, I encourage you to take a look at and use in your churches. As always, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe on the podcast player of your choice, uh, and tell others about it. We want it to be a gift to you uh, and to the church. So, Jim, how then does all of this reframe the story of Anglicanism, or does it reframe it? I think it does. I think it creates a context. Well, first of all, in a way, it it, um, it it's rediscovering what the story of Anglicanism is. You know, the the um, we, we're a people who are deeply shaped by a very long story, uh, a very long church history story, and it's a story that goes back right to Jesus. Jesus formed his church through his work on the cross and his resurrection, his ascension, the gift of the Holy spirit, Jesus formed a church, a community of people whose only identity and legitimacy and purpose, uh, was grounded in him. You know, they, he was the vine. They're the branches. Everything in the early church is, uh, based upon that grace of union with Christ. So Jesus formed the church, and we as Anglicans, we rightly, uh, in my view, um, look back to the history of the church uh, so that we can learn wisdom. But then we are also people shaped by a story that that church, which was formed uh, in a variety of different ways over the course of many hundreds of years, was deformed. It was formed and then deformed. And the Deformation of the church always happens uh, in when Jesus is obscured, when the that close dependence upon Christ for our identity, legitimacy, purpose, and everything else, when that becomes obscured, and especially when the church starts looking at ourselves. There's something about us, something vested in us that uh, bears the weight of our confidence. Um, 
to tell us who we are, to tell us why we're okay, to tell us what we're here for. Whenever that happens, then we end up obscuring Jesus and the church is deformed. And, and I, in my view that um, as Anglicans, we're, we're in danger of that. Um, we're in danger of that in our history before, especially before, right at and before the Reformation. Um, but we're in danger of that today. Those ways, those insecure grasping at identity and legitimacy that we talked about at the beginning, I, I think that's the real danger is we obscure Christ in, in some ways. But then we're, you know, Jesus forms the church. The church is deformed by obscuring Christ, but then the church is reformed into the image of Christ by rediscovering Christ and relying on him alone. And so this prayer is, is a way that helps us do that. It's a prayer of reformation. It's a prayer that says we renounce as a people all claims to legitimacy, identity, and purpose that's vested in ourselves. We're not okay because we've got the right bishops. We're not okay because, man, we're so, uh, our liturgy is so just amazing. We're not okay because we're correct on some, you know, hot topic cultural issue. No, all those things are good, but we're only okay because the Lord's property is always to have mercy. We're only okay because we evermore dwell in Christ and he in us. Christ is our identity. He gives us legitimacy and he's our purpose because he's the only gift we have to give others. So I think it reframes the whole conversation around identity, legitimacy, purpose, uh, and it focuses us uh, as, a, as a movement and that's it, isn't it? That's the identity. That's our identity. That's the identity that we discover when we find Jesus, that our identity is him. It's in him. It is no longer I who liveth, but Christ who lives within me. And of course, we live in an age where we where we downplay our need to daily take up our cross and follow him, where we uh, put ourselves sometimes on a level of saying, well, you know, we're sophisticated. We live in a society that's got so much advancement. We've seen uh, human beings on the moon. Uh, we've seen so much advancement in the medical sphere. And yet, and yet, we are still sinners who are in need of a great Savior. And that's what we find in not only this liturgy, but in the liturgies of the Anglican Church. It would seem to me that Cramner's prayer of humble access is pastorally strategic for our generation. Uh, uh, Dr. Null says this, as well as solid biblical theology. We don't trust in ourselves. We trust in Christ and in Christ alone. If you've got questions that you would like to ask about this or any other matter, the way you do that is by sending an email to questions at adlw.org, and uh, uh, those questions will be answered. Jim, it's been great having you uh, on this episode of Living Through the Word. Thanks for opening up to us the beauty of this uh, prayer of humble access, which uh, I believe should be prayed every time we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. Again, Jim, if people want to know about you and your ministry, how do they find out about you? Well, uh, they can go to uh, Emmanuel's website, so EmmanuelAnglicanNYC.com, and uh, come and join us, 11 a.m., 232 West 11th Street. Um, and if they're ever in New York, come by, or if they've got friends in New York, uh, encourage them to join us. 
And around the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, you'll find 34 congregations. Uh, we welcome you to worship Christ uh, in the midst of those. Let me pray the prayer of humble access from the 1662 Book of Common Prayer as we conclude. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace.